Hello everybody, welcome to episode 295 of G.I. Joburg, and today we're going on a covert mission to infiltrate Cobra Island. When I say we, I'm referring to myself, Steve, and of course, my battle buddy, the loving scoopful, it's Rob. Hey Rob. Hey! Deadly, not pencils. <laughs> That's correct. How's it There's going? a notable absence this week. Paul, Oof. feeling kind of poorly. We wish him well, but uh, the show must go on. Rob, how are Absolutely. you? Absolutely. I'm doing well now. I've been sick with a cold or a cough or some shit this whole week. But <laughs> I, I, did, I did brave. I did brave the weather today and I watched, which is probably the, well, maybe the second best movie, or what's the best movie I've seen so far this year. Mission Impossible, <gasps> Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Amazing! In IMAX. It cost me an arm and a leg. Dude, worth it. Absolutely worth it. I think it's a fantastic movie. Like, Tom Cruise just sells it. You know, like, he's just... He's... Oh, he's so good. As the man Fuck. himself might say, cinema's back, baby. I don't know if cinema Absolutely. is back, but uh, this man, <laughs> this machine, who the hell is he? What pact did he, did he make with his Scientology god to <laughs> somehow make him the god of, of, of cinema? He's incredible. Yeah, look, he, I've he, seen it as well. can't be wrong. Good. It's worth a watch, and certainly go to the, the big screen to see it. This is not a you home have to do it. movie experience kind of film. Yes. I will have one, like, technical criticism that I'll level at it. Uh -oh. Like just just the fact that like we know because we know enough about the behind the scenes to know that they did that stunt for real. Mm. It was on the first day of shooting, it was, they did it six times. It was all done with Tom riding the motorcycle. Absolutely. But when we come to it in the film, they cut to various different takes. Maybe it's the same take, but they, they kept cut to various different cameras. And it just diminishes the, the reality of it. Mm. And, of course, there's a little bit of CG magic happening just to paint the backgrounds, perhaps, or, or fill in the sort of the mountainscape. But all that just adds to the slight unreality of it. And it makes me sad because they actually did that, that stunt in camera for real. We know that, but... To the casual mm. film go it'd be like you know you might as well think oh they just did that in cg it's just some talented visual artists making tom do those things no guys tom can ride a motorcycle off a cliff he can also parachute better than any like stunt parachute guy out there like absolutely he's he's, he's amazing great. like he i saw an interview he did with um uh, an australian tv show actually um mm -hmm. and he he's for years now he's he whenever he does a new project even before then he plans it out he, he starts practicing the stunts and the stuff that he wants to do in future films before he even gets to the movie so he sets up the technology and the the techniques that he wants to use for future films before he even gets there so he's been practicing this and be getting ready for it for, for years and years at this point the urban legend is when he sat down with the, the director to hash this out i mean they didn't have a plot they didn't have a script tom said i want to ride a motorcycle off a cliff and the director was like I want to do a sequence on a train. I think the reason yeah. this is a two-parter is because they wanted to embellish on those moments so much. Mm. I felt like there could have easily been enough story to just last one movie. 
but because this was so pulse-pounding, nail-biting, just fantastic cinematic experience all around, I'm glad that it was given the amount of time that it was given. Um, unfortunately, I didn't think the same of uh, Spider-Verse Part 1, oh. which I thought oh could have wrapped goodness. up in one film. I thought it dragged in the third act tremendously. And while it's all gorgeously created and, and burnt out several VFX companies in the, the process, I'm sure... Do you know that they're not wanting to come back to make the second part? <laughs> like, oh my goodness! Creek, man. You have to find someone this. else. Well, yeah, break and replace, I guess. But um, the theory is that the VFX artists in Hollywood are all o overly fatigued, particularly by Disney films. But uh, just chalk that up to another um, group of, of artists uh, going on strike, no doubt. I mean, we've well, lost the writers, point, we've yeah. lost the actors. Will there be an SDCC? It'll be about <laughs> comics and toys for the first time in a long time. Hey, a comic con is actually about comics and not just a bunch of celebrities swanning about. Hey, guys. <laughs> well, they can go strike outside if they like. I mean, if you want to see them, just go outside the convention center and see them striking. Um, but at least <laughs> this gives everyone a break, you know? I mean, yes, I don't know. I mean, I don't, obviously, there's no positives to this. I mean... The positive will be if they get thing, better agreements from the production companies. But it does give people that were burning out a break. I mean, especially the VX artists. But my favorite um, like a bit of information I heard about the second Spider-Man Spider movie. I haven't seen it. Um, but I do know that they do a lot of reality bending. You know, they go cross-dimensional, so they use different art styles. The coolest thing I heard was that they actually wanted to include a sequence the kid playing with an action figure um uh spider-man but they cut it out or they, they didn't get to the point where they would include him in the movie i think i've said on social media that if that moment did happen i would stand up in the theater and applaud <laughs> i guess i would save the embarrassment but yeah i wish yeah i wish that, that would have been so cool it was like giant human human yeah like manipulating the toy and saying the lines <laughs> for the character that would have been so cool yeah, perhaps it, it's what the third act needed because, I mean, spoiler maybe, but the second we go into the multiverse and see hundreds, if not thousands, of Spider-Men, I switch off big time, man. There's multiverse burnout <laughs> going on. And particularly when it's all versions of the same character, I'm like, mm. okay, get on with the plot, please. <laughs> while, while this is all very clever and the art styles are all fabulous and you could pour over every frame of this movie for a good long while, like narratively, it's like a Xerox machine. It's copy-paste. Like, and of course, all of them seem completely inept when faced with a new Spider-Man. Oh, who's this guy? Yeah, He's got totally exactly. different colors from all of us. Heart of, heart of Spider-Man, and they're kind of tripping over each other. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this isn't about God. Steve goes to the movies, and Rob goes to the movies, and this Rob goes to the movies. New podcast all together. Poor, you're missing yeah. out, baby. I'm sure he'd want to weigh Whoa. in with his Dial of Destiny experience. Oh, for um, sure. The summary is it's not as bad as uh, everyone seems to to think, according to Paul. You know, the don't listen to the internet, but we all know that. Paul sometimes likes to look through uh, Paul-colored glasses. Oh, absolutely. He's he's very much got those Paul-colored Paul glasses. But the thing is, like, I... 
like a movie has to be good. Like it has to be getting good reception overall for me to even bother to go to the cinema. And uh, whether or not it is any good, I'm not going to bother to go see Indy 5. Um, uh, even if it is a really good movie, I still think the idea of like an 80 year old man running around doing these things is <laughs> just that breaks my suspense of disbelief. Well, I mean, have your suspension of disbelief shattered by The Flash, which, in spite of the shitty reviews and the extremely low box office return considering its budget, I took myself to see. And, like, no irony at all. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself immensely. Um, maybe I was feeling emotionally vulnerable and, and everything kind of hit. Maybe I keyed into the zaniness of the film early on and, and it didn't trip me up anymore. Because, yes, it is zany. This is not a conventional movie. But I really enjoyed it, man. So seeing a 70-year-old in a bat suit, still okay. Okay, that, <laughs> that doesn't feel well. double. Um, uh. I wonder if they still do the Count Dooku, like, wrinkle face, like mask. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they just they do it better. Look, it's <laughs> it's fantastic, and seeing Keaton in the bat suit again is terrific. He uh, occupies a good chunk of the film, and Ezra, despite their legal and emotional, psychological um, challenges, shall we say, um, delivers mm. a, a pretty serviceable serviceable performance. I felt emotionally gutted, like it is dealing with the death of his mother. And that's, I mean, to all of us who who have relationships with our mothers, not that kind. Um, it's, <laughs> it's the hardcore. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if that's you can Sophie's choice of you, do you fix the multiverse and and let things proceed as they should, or do you meddle with it and and bring her back? Like it's oh god, it's to wrestle with that notion. It's hardcore. It's high stakes. High stakes. But I mean, so Stephen, no, no one's seen this film, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> what did you get up to this week? What, what is your highlights for for your past week? Went away what from a wedding do? and came Ooh. back with the best wedding party favor of all. Um, an extremely Jojo. sick wife. <laughs> oh, who has like she did one night shift and has been sick for the rest of the week. Poor girl. Um, she's probably given it to our son. I've somehow skirted it i don't know how perhaps my time is coming i did have a bit of a tickle but um that's that's wholly unexciting news <laughs> that is how about pretty you, boring how's your party? yeah as i said it was pretty good mission impossible definitely was the highlight of the week i have also been oh, yeah. sick um but yeah I'm, I'm on the mend and i'm looking forward to uh oh yeah i'm house sitting for your parents uh that's i don't right. know if i mentioned on the show i'll be there for months Having mm. very exciting nostalgia times. I'll say a highlight of the week has definitely been Cobra Convergence 7, which is currently ah. underway if you've been living under a rock. The full program and the list of contributors and their channel links are in hcc788.com. So check out his website and, and have a scroll. You might s discover some shows <clears throat> pardon me oh dear here it comes uh -oh. you might discover some shows and some blogs that you've never passed an eye before i know i have uh first amongst those i'd never read snoover's corner cafe it's a name mm -hmm. that's been bandied about a couple of times particularly in cobra convergence time but he recently did his entry and it was a rundown of the four classic 
Crimson God variants that um, were in the the, the A Raw run, the 1985, the Python Patrol, the Crimson God Immortal, and the Battlecore Crimson God. So lovely article, and I'm now a reader. Um, but apart from my regular rotation shows, which have all been doing wonderful jobs with Cobra Convergence Seven, I've now acquainted myself with It's Chad, with Jay Bartlett with uh, toy connections and let me just say that my greatest thrill in cobra convergence 7 is not necessarily their produced videos themselves but just seeing how the gi joe community kind of knits itself together like i've been seeing chad on jay's show i've been seeing hans on everybody's show and helping (laughs) out toy connections with his 1983 uh, gi joe overview which came out a couple of days ago um, I've been seeing Hooded Cobra Commander interviewing everyone. Uh, that's an, also a lovely feature this year. Um, HCC is doing a sort of half-hour interview with everyone. Ours is coming up. It'll be uh, in conjunction with our day, which is the 22nd. Um, yeah, just all-around good stuff, man. So keep it coming. And if you're listening to this uh, and you haven't taken in a few Cobra Convergence vids yet, I urge you to to. Give it, give it a look. Punch in the search yeah. engine, or just head to the website hcc788.com. And it feels uh, like it gets bigger every single year. Like oh, seven absolutely. just feels bigger than six, bigger than five, bigger than four. Um, I also caught one. Um, you shared it with us. I think it was Action Robot Punch. Yes, how good! So, so much fun. Well, ARP is renowned for 3D modeling, designing, producing add-on kits for toys. But they also concurrently produce play motion vids and get the whole family involved by the looks. We have uh, a female voice artist, which I'm assuming is perhaps a wife and certainly a, a young young man um, manipulating some of the toys and adding some of the sound effects and, and vocals. So it sounds like Ted's having the time of his life playing with his family. And I know Absolutely. behind the scenes, like the kid will lose interest and, and potter off and you'll be left with 95% of the shots still to do on your own. But <laughs> for those 5% where you see him and you hear him playing with G.I. Joe, these you know ancient toys for a, a child, it's very heartwarming. Yeah. Heartwarming What's and a, really well done. Oh, yeah. Like it's, yeah. Um, it's such a What's tight plot, story. Rob? It's just... So basically... Mindbed has come up with a device that's meant to shrink things, um, mm-hmm. but it also makes things bigger. So, but Cobra, the higher ups are kind of like, oh, okay, Mindbed, you're not doing, you're not doing your job properly. Uh, we brought this guy in to come and help fix this for you. Um, he tested out on a lizard. Juan Carlos Esposito. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Breaking Bad figure made by Reaction, yeah. but it's definitely El Pollo Loco. What's his name? Um, nah. I forget the character name, but it's Juan Carlo, Juan Carlo Esposito for sure. <laughs> is it my so imagination, or did Peg like do a, a Juan Carlo kind of? I don't know. A, a, a voice swipe sounded like an impersonation a bit. I think he did try. I mean, he's very good with voices. <laughs> so like, um, a lot of the voices are very unique, which I quite enjoyed. Um, and you can kind of follow along with who's speaking most of the time, which I thought was really good. Mm, yeah, but he makes off. a he makes a mind makes a lizard huge, and then they have to fight it. 
And it's cool it's because it plays with like scales. It's, it's Gaiju. Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> yes, if you're a Godzilla fan and, and you used to play with your Godzilla toys in conjunction with the G.I. Joe toys, this one's for you, baby. I love that uh, Ted included a little um, epilogue note, little final credit. Um, we get a mention in there. Uh, this isn't an inside job. I would have recommended this even if he hadn't mentioned G.I. Joe Berg. But Absolutely. yes, this is definitely a love letter to anyone who enjoyed Godzilla toys and G.I. Joe toys and smashing them together. Yeah, so long story short, go check out all of HTC's uh, Cobra Convergence 7, um, but especially this one, I think. Um, Rob, so you mentioned SDCT. Into... No, no. Yes. I want to get some speculation from you. Whoa. There are a bunch of um, announcements that have been made already about toys that will be available at SDCC. The Chuckles exclusive will be to those oh. lucky QR code holders and whatnot. No. Um, Super 7 no, has a pop-up store next to, uh, well, somewhere close to the venue, to the convention venue. And they will be peddling a Crimson Guardsman Ultimate, which comes with a cup of coffee and a donut taken from the I episode Primordial Plot, I believe. But uh, that's yeah. besides the point. What I'm most excited about is a little nugget that I gleaned from the Full Forces interview with Brian Flynn some weeks ago, in which he mentioned that there will be a reaction vehicle release. I don't know if that information has now become out of date because Super 7 is doing um, a reaction figure pack like the, the Terracotta Warriors from uh, Pyramids of Darkness. And those like that, yeah. skeleton dudes. I don't know if they still are releasing a vehicle, if that's a, still a well-kept secret or not. But, you know, last time Super 7 brought that rescue dog sled for Snake mm -hmm. Eyes with the blind old man. Mush, mush, mush. It's fun. Uh, but <laughs> not not a vehicle. Not what, in the not, not what someone sense. really wants. Not in a toy line of tanks, planes, jetpacks, jets, buggies. So, I mean, he, he, he moderated our expectations by saying it's not going to be huge, but it is going to be O-Ring Joe compatible, which always going to get me excited. Um, any speculation as to what it could be or even where it could be pulled from? It's difficult because whenever I think of like cartoon things, I usually just think of the bigger stuff, like the, yeah. um, you yeah, know, like the snakehead um, jet, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the Cobra helicopter. Um, I can't think of like smaller G.I. Joe things. But I Those feel early miniseries were, were peppered with them. Kind of blink and you mm. miss it almost prototype versions of stuff that would come later. Like I can think of um, the Joes assaulting the kind of the Cobra heli carrier in mass device and Cobra re retaliates with their prototype claws in a sense, but the pilot, instead mm. of being underslung, the pilot rides on top. So that's a possibility. Also there was uh... that like floating platform, which is basically like target practice, but Cobra troopers on a kind of a, a floating circular platform when the Joes are assaulting Cobra's castle. Uh, but I think my guess, uh, just because it's so iconic, really, is Baroness's, like, dive bell. She's got this spherical diving uh, pod that the Joes uh, encounter in the worms oh, of yes. 
death, I think, was it, whatever. That wasn't the thing with, like, worms. it didn't have legs, did it? No. It had three legs, yeah, it, it had various pools. It can accept one figure. It's got a hatch on top. Like it's it's a basic toy, but it is still a vehicle. And you know I me, mean? I'm gaga for like undersea equipment. So if it's Cobra and it goes beneath the waves, I'm there like a bear, man. I'll buy it at retail price. I won't even wait for it to go on sale, bro. <laughs> I yeah. think that'd actually be that's actually a good speculation. Um but yeah, it's I can't think of any of smaller things. I really want them to do big helicopters and shit, you know. Hmm. Well, Super 7 are crowdfunding currently the... What's it, the thing of omens? The the cat's, cat's lair. Find the cat's, uh... cat's lair. All the seven-inch figures. We're not even talking reaction. We're talking ultimates. The big boys. Lord. Yeah. Which it's... they just introduced to Crimson... Was it Christmas God like Baroness and Destro, or what were those? Yes, well, it's a Crimson Baroness, but Destro is actually in his Action Force persona, Red Jackal. Ooh. So he's got the Red Shadows okay. uh, detail on his chest, and subtle color changes to reflect the the Pally toy redeco of Destro that was packaged with the. Okay, I hadn't hyena. realized. Ah, this is going for like a red theme. Oh, big time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all in conjunction with Hasbro actually going red as well. They're doing various crimson versions, the crimson bath, the crimson viper. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We're all, seeing, we're all seeing red. <laughs> but speaking and of crowdfunding. And by the time this episode comes out, I think uh, the, the dragonfly, were you about to say? That's exactly what I was about to say. I think we less than... 24 hours to the end at this point. Mm-hmm. Here comes the spike. Um, and it's, well, it's, I think it's been happening in the last day or so. I mean, they, they hit um, the, the female figure, I think, two, three days ago. And mm-hmm. they did announce the third figure, which was Crazy Legs. Am I right? Night Force Crazy Legs. <laughs> Night Force Crazy Legs. And right now, at this very moment, it's standing, well, when I checked 10 minutes ago, 70,986. So we, we listened to just over 1,000 to go before all three figures are unlocked. I think oh, it's going to yeah. happen for sure. Easily. And it makes me angry that people were haranguing other people. The, 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 like this, the kind of campaign on social media to to get fence-sitters to, to, to throw money at this was a little bit disgusting. I think that's that's fan culture at its worst. It's like, I want all my fucking toys, man. I want them all. I want them all. You guys, you help me get my toys. I want, I want all the toys. Like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> I have a little faith in but the, the thing process. Is, this thing will find there's a There's a history, you know, on, on how these things do track. There's, there's a huge upsurge at the start. You know that unlocks at least the first tier. Um, there's a lull through the you know the main half of the of the campaign, and then right at the end there's a spike. It's been proven at least the last two to three times that this is how it works. People really should wait and see, essentially. Um, well, we before they start getting obsessed, you know. Of the toy collecting community, like these 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 keyboard warriors who you know have to pollute social media with the get me my uh, toys and yeah gross man you'll get your fucking toys sit down let the process take 
take its its time. It's you know, it's yeah. a funding period. It's not a, a like a if you fund now you get this. If you fund later you won't get it. Like no, nah. people have budgeted to come in right at the end, and they will. Simple. Anyway. They absolutely will, and they have. They proved themselves. Mm. There we go, Robbie. We're here mm. to talk about four issues of the comic book. Oh, oh my! I'm God. gonna say, I, is at least one of them one, from the classic series. Well, yeah, one from the classic series and three <laughs> from the IDW series because we want to crush those ones a little bit quicker. <laughs> but I, I would say out of these four, um, one is meh, two are very good, mm. and the fourth is exceptional. And it might or... surprise you which one I'm referring to. But you can decide the order, my friend. Which would you like or... to go first? You've already blown me away because I mean, like, I was expecting three to be mere, one to be good. So <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I think let's let's smash out the classic first. I think I think that's Very a good, good place to start because we've been putting off this issue for quite some time. Um, eagle-eyed listeners will will have if you listen to the end of one of our episodes a, a couple of months ago. Um, I was very excited. I was like, we named this episode Tanks for the Memories, but we, <laughs> we didn't do it. Uh, Tanks for more memories next time. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are finally going to read issue five, Tanks for the Memories. Dun, 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 dun. Oh Classic my goodness. Larry Harmer. If you had said to Larry in 1982, our big box item for the G.I. Joe toy line is the Mobat tank. It's motorized. It's a battle tank. It accepts one figure. It comes in a big box. It retails for, I don't know, $10, <laughs> whatever it was back in the day. I suppose I could look it up, but I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> so what story are you going to write around this tank? Honestly, I don't think I would have ever guessed that it, would, gonna, it was going to be the tank in Central Park. Like, that's... <laughs> That's an exciting prospect right there. I was expecting, you know, conventional tank battle in a, a battle zone somewhere, tank versus tank warfare, which, granted, I wouldn't mind seeing anyway. But this is a very quirky story. Yeah. I mean, we have previously gotten kind of a little taste of tank on tank warfare. I think, what was it? Issue she won? No. There's like a little bit Two. when they were on issue one, yeah, where there was a little yeah. bit of a mission. Um, they were tank on tank, but it, it's cool because he makes it like everyone wants the Mobat. Um, <laughs> this is probably the most toyetic, or at least the most advert comic I think he's made up to this point. Where oh, yeah. he's just had fun with the concept, but he's also been like, not only does Joe want the tank, but Cobra wants the tank. No, you want the tank too. Which is Kids. pointing it directly, <laughs> exactly at the audience, like you want this tank. But imagine, having read this issue, your disappointment when you realize that the toy can only have one occupant, not even an occupant, a kind of a person awkwardly popping out of the top with no real protection whatsoever. Like, the Mobat as a toy, it's got its shortcomings, man. I wish it had all this mm. internal space where you could potentially plug in a Pac-Man cartridge. <laughs> Scarlet's so funny. Um, but yeah, the boys are fawning over their tank big time. Clutch, breaker, stealer. 
and Scarlet is like, guys, and you expect perhaps uh, a bit of a chauvinist angle to be taken with Scarlet saying, oh, you know, oh, machines, boring. But no, she does counter with some very combat savvy information saying like, I prefer when a tank is dug in and laying down heavy cover fire. It's like, okay, Scarlet's still the consummate soldier. She's not about to like powder her nose and buff her nails. Like she's still thinking yeah. about this thing as a, a useful machine. She but knows she what just she's talking about. She just doesn't like this one specifically. No, she's not about to flick the bean over all the technical details. Like these boys are just wanking over the tank. <laughs> well, then I, I think I think Scarlett would prefer the toy version because there are no details on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, I I used to I used to kind of invent for myself what the interior of a vehicle would be like long before I owned it. So when I looked at the European 1991 catalog and saw the Cobra Bug, boy, oh boy, did I invent like the internal spaces. In my mind, the whole thing was like the Millennium Falcon. Like you could walk Ah. from one end of it to the other with different sort of chambers. So there was mild disappointment on Christmas morning, 1993, when I got it and discovered, no, they're all just sort of hatches that you can put a finger into. Yeah. But in much the but same way, the robot tank, like yeah. you see that it almost has a room inside where people can stand up. What? Excellent. Makes no sense. Bastards. Yeah, no tank has that kind of interior space. Still, it, it makes for an interesting sort of science fiction environment. I, uh, I credit Don Perlin, the, the artist, for, for embellishing the interior of the tank a bit. But what happens in this issue, Rob? So what happens in this issue is that Geo Joe just got their brand new high-tech tank. And it's so cool that even Cobra wants it. So Cobra hatches a very elaborate plan um, to kind of grab the tank um, as, as this kind of like rolling as part of a big marching band sort of, I don't know, 4th of July parade of some sort. Um, and crazy shenanigans happen from there. And we even get uh, General Hawk at the end. Not General Hawk, General Flag uh, showing mm. up in one of these early issues, which is quite cool. Cover Commander learning how to uh, do some shooting in this issue too. It's <laughs> very hands-on. It sets up that trope, I think. Yeah, he's cutting down targets. Uh, eagle-eyed viewers might see that Snake Eyes is colored to look like his kind of BMX sticker. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a sticker at the time with a kind of snake eyes mold, but they gave him a green outfit with light blue highlights, which... Oh, goodness. Charming. I think they have made a custom figure of that. Maybe Black Mage have? But yeah, it does exist now. It's it's kind of fun. Even giving him a, a code name, which it escapes me now. But uh, if you know it and, and you're in the comments section, let us know what the BMX snake eyes figure uh, is called. But yeah, I, I like the fact that it seems just like with the, the Trojan Gambit that Cobra is within driving distance of G.I. Joe's mm. base. Like they're very close. They must be somewhere on the eastern seaboard. And we get to see this elaborate means whereby the, the film of the message, the secret message about the tank. I mean, that's wonderfully convoluted spy stuff. But uh, yeah, we definitely see that Cobra's in the catacombs somewhere in north america they're right beneath our feet 
They're right um, there. They're as yeah, they and they're hidden just like Gian and Joe is. And they're both hidden in mm. places where neither you know the other doesn't know where. Baroness kind of is a bit more in this episode, it's this issue. Mm. Like even in her illustration, uh, she she doesn't she's always kind of with the Cobra Commander and she seems more competent than him. But when it comes down to it, when Cobra Commander is facing down General Flag, Baroness kind of doesn't doesn't figure into the equation at all. Because yes, mm. it does come down to a, a, a duel between these two commanders, these two opposing um top men uh, but yeah but both yeah they, they don't have any intervention from their subordinates which is eh, i suppose it's nice to see these guys go toe-to-toe but it would have been nice if baroness had been <laughs> she just pulled the machine gun out and sprayed general flag down and said Come on, everyone down let's go time <laughs> <laughs> to go home when you need someone Back to, to pull the mm-hmm. <laughs> i I can't believe how much um, the generals on the reviewing stand, the, the one, I think it's the Navy guy, the guy in white, uh, mm. looks like Brian Cox. <laughs> no, Brian, Brian Cox in 1982 would have been in his 30s, I imagine. But uh, this yeah, looks like him from... He, he looks like Brian Cox from, I don't know if you remember the Nuremberg trials with one of the Baldwins. Um, yes. But yeah, if, if you're struggling to remember, Brian Cox played Striker in X-Men 2. Mm-hmm. And he was in the yeah. Bourne movies, I think, as well. All right. Similar character type. The later ones. Yeah. I love, love, love the humor. I mean, this one is full of zingers, but like we've got the Springfield marching band, which <laughs> the, the tank is driving behind. And... They're complaining loudly about how it sounds like they learned to play the instruments yesterday, which is kind of a, a wink at the audience saying, yeah, these guys are not <laughs> drum majorettes and, and, and marching band members. They're actually Cobra agents in disguise. Uh, but <laughs> Steeler, just showing off how much of a sort of blue collar mechanical man he is, um, he doesn't really, hasn't really noticed the, the music at all. Um, like, you know, he's a tanker. He doesn't have an ear for, for marching bands. But what he does have an eye for is the, the cheerleader's butt. I mean, it's, uh, it's a lovely little detail, man. He's got the, the targeting system of the tank zeroed in on her butt. Lovely. Priorities are straight. That's good. Let's just say that I'm fulfilling an obligation of a military commander to keep abreast of the rear guard situation. Uh- Uh. (laughs) Zing! my other favorite line oh if we could skip all the way to the end um so the whole time chuckles not chuckles clutch is zeroing in on some kind of signal um between one of the attacking bandies and the reviewing stand because he Mm. believes cobra commander must be close by to give orders um and then he eventually, when faced with the reviewing stand, he plows the tank into it to try and expose the commander. <laughs> but he tells the other two to jump off the tank so he can he can do it and they can cover the prisoners. Um, and Breaker says, I don't know what you're up to, Clutch, but I'll put a good word in for you at the court-martial. And Steeler <laughs> replies with, not me. 
I always said Clutch was a few chairs missing at home. <laughs> a few chairs missing at home. Like that. I, I've never heard uh, that one before. Never heard that line either. So good. <laughs> and every time I read this, something new comes out to me, pops out at me. Um, this time, however, it was a, a little typo. I don't know if this is a rarity with uh, Larry Harmer scripts or if this is just something that happens regularly and I'm only now kind of coming coming wise to it. But Oh, I see what you mean. Alex is with one too many R's in that rumble. Gosh, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the sound effect. Uh, oh. Flag is on the reviewing stand shouting at Clutch saying, hit the brake, Clutch, hit it. Except it's spelt B-R-E-A-K. Oops. Unless that's a localization, like in, unless the Americans also spell like break with B-R-E-A-K. Like, do you think Maybe? it's like color and honor and, and other things that are spelled differently in North America? But yeah, no, it, it should be B-R-A-K-E. Uh, whatever. I was just and very he wants him to like literally that. break the clutch and he wants to like literally <laughs> break it. Break it! Hit Don't you the brake slam. Hit the brake. Hit, <laughs> hit, hit the brake. Hit the brake on this stand. There's a brake already if you hit it in that exact place. <laughs> nah, look, um, nah, I, I think you're right. But kudos to the guys back in the in the 80s. I mean, there really are very few lettering problems in most uh, North American comic books I've found. Mm. Well, stick around. It's very rare. <laughs> <laughs> love me a good typo yeah look this issue is great fun um it's, it's a nice it's bottle awesome. issue once again i do have a question for you though rob so mm. as we've already mentioned cobra commander is underneath general flag and the other assembled command staff's feet Bold which move. is interesting kind of kind of rug pull like whoa we were underneath you this whole time cobra commander pulls a gun on flag flag pulls a gun on the commander but cobra commander's got innocence in his vicinity he's got this girl scout <laughs> group <laughs> very conveniently um assembled around him and, and as i've mentioned before baroness at this point becomes completely inept she has nothing to do she should have pulled a gun and just shot flag but no, she lets the commander lead the charge, and the commander fires almost point blank range and clips flag on the head. Mm. Um, I'm, I mean, we could get into whether or not Cobra Commander wanted to take out flag or wanted him to survive and just have a kind of a a, a, a wound, a kind of a, a mark to say, ah, I can get you anytime. But I'm curious, and they hang a lantern on this in the issue. Um, I think Clutch says that. <laughs> Flag, you're the captain of the pistol team. You should have been able to hit Cobra Commander without endangering any of those Girl Scouts. Um, why? Why then do you suppose Flag pulled his punch and didn't shoot? I think even with all that training, I mean, he he's the general. You know, he probably hasn't had a lot of active use of, of, of firearms for quite some time, I'm guessing. Um, you know, like uh, field field work. So I think he'd rather err on the side of caution, generally speaking, rather than just like, I suppose, 
relying on years old uh, expertise, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's where my mind went to first. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, we do have a shot to close out the scene with the, the Girl Scouts looking kind of shell-shocked, kind of, kind of, as they're staring each other down, um, they're looking, one is kind of reassuring the other almost, um, and they're in the foreground, and in the background you've got Clutch and Flag, and Clutch is asking, like, why didn't you shoot, you know, you could have hit the commander without hitting any of these girls, and Flag says, yeah, well, that's why we're the good guys, Clutch is like, huh, and Flag is like, never mind, so clearly, flag is operating on on a maybe an intellectual level, a, little, a few steps higher than than clutch at this point. Clutch is like, why didn't you just shoot him? You didn't even release your safety. And flag's like, mm. you know what? If I'd gunned him down in front of these girls, they probably would have been scarred for the rest of their lives. So he's thinking almost about the psychological impact of this violence on these uh... girls. That's where I'm thinking now. That's where my head is at. I think that makes Still, sense. It's not just him not tra trusting in his abilities. Um, I think that makes sense. Still, it's, I mean, a, a trade-off to having been able to end the conflict then and there. I just, it, it, it hangs a lantern perhaps on the, like, the level of thought and consideration that Larry's bringing to the story. Mm. Like, sure, you're going to paint yourself into a bit of a corner. You've got these two guys standing each other down staring each other down with guns drawn someone's going to get shot right well yeah. flag gets clipped and cobra commander gets off unscathed because because of this reason because he doesn't want flag to just gun a person down with innocence watching yeah Which, hmm. okay he would definitely do it but not in front of children so i think that has compassion man Absolutely. Mm, mm, we learned a bit more about Flag, and, and that, that's my takeaway from this read, is that I'm kind of more on board with General Flag than I ever have been. He only kind of really has a starring role toward the end of the issue, and he never really gets much before his, his exit from the series. But mm. this is his moment. This is his only moment in retrospect. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of hanging a bit more importance on it now. It's nice to see to get an idea of who this man was let's rate it robbie i think overall it's a really fun issue um as always i prefer the bot more bottled issues the the one shots um and it's it's a cool concept um i like the cleverness of the tank drivers um and, and featuring flag is pretty awesome i'd probably give it oh probably goes like a three and a half i'm gonna go three and a half i think it's really good but it's not like the top issue ever so say so we both then i'll do a three and a half as well really enjoyable but i need to moderate a previous score because oh. i think i what did i give issue for operation wingfield because in the cold light of day that is not an issue that i will likely pick up and read over this, for instance. I think you... Well, we devoted a whole episode to it. I think you... I mean, me and Paul were pretty pretty big about it. I don't I don't think you gave it a 5, but you might have given it a 4.5. Yeah, I would I'm check, but unfortunately... Reduce it to a 3.5, because... Ooh. Yes, Rob is literally in the dark. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say that 
four and five are both both 3.5 issues really enjoyable uh, but not ones that i will in a pinch you know pick up and read mm. yeah i think Note- i think out of the two this one would be is more you can come back to it more often for sure hmm. there's humor there's um it's more it's more of a story I mean, not that the other one isn't a story, but that one feels more serious in the way that kind of like handles its um, subject matter. Yeah, for sure. This one's if you love the Mobat tank, this, this is the issue you want to read because you get all that internal detail that you need to kind of use your imagination to fill in. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. The Mobat. Potentially a Transformers crossover. I mean, let me not spread disinformation but um what do you think about a, a mobat optimus prime i think that could be really cool actually um hmm. it's definitely one of the more standout earlier vehicles from the gi joes so i think you could do do a mobat as as optimus prime and it's beefy enough that you could and it's also kind of a big one piece and there's not many mm-hmm. there's not much spaces to fit figures into it so you can actually make it more transformable robot then you then you don't have to worry so much about ah oh, you know how do we make these seats fold away how do we make these into the feet you know um mm, i think that class wise it 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 would put prime on a similar toe to megatron or mega his like the mm. his tank the mobat are classic enemies even though like seeing prime as a battle tank mm, it's a bit of a stretch for most transformers fans but for Joe yeah. fans, it makes perfect sense because there's similar class, you know, these two vehicles. A more important question is, what do we name it? I mean, up to this point, it's been pretty easy to kind of come up with, uh, with uh, you know, mashup names. Like Mobat <laughs> and Optimus Prime. I mean, Prybat, uh, Moprime. <laughs> I'll just call him the Opti Tank. Opti tank. Okay. Opti okay. tank. Mobat tank. I don't know. Let's move uh, on to a modern comic book. So I tasked the boys, now just Rob, um, with reading uh, issues 287, 288, and 289 of the IDW series because these effectively wow. are each one shots. Well, definitely one of them is absolutely a one shot <laughs> well the other two are one shots but they're kind of like they are building up to the story that is coming after this but they kind of like take specific each each issue is a specific perspective um from mm-hmm. certain characters um and it features them as the, the characters kind of like helping uh build the story that he's telling about the cobra island casino and it's kind of cool cool to kind of see like different perspectives um different angles of how Giaja is so big that you can have multiple stories um, building up a, a larger story um, using different characters. So we've got an issue that features Dawn and Helix, and mm-hmm. they are tasked with uh, running Intel on a revanche corporation or revanche robotics lab. We've got a one-shot oh, featuring the introduction of Lieutenant Falcon, and we've got Whoa, a one-shot cool new featuring... Character. The newbies of G.I. Joe in IDW, which is Black Hat, Sherlock, Molto, and... Mongoose. Mongoose, sorry. <laughs> Although I feel like only, <laughs> only two of them are really featured, or at least had like, a lot of lines. 
Not that hmm. I actually know which one is which. <laughs> well, let's see if I can help you out. Does, should we do 287 then? Hell yeah. Let's, let's, let's go Hell's forward. To the, yeah. All right. 287 is that self-same issue um, with uh, Mongoose, Black Hat, Sherlock, and Malto. If none of those names mean anything to you, well, step a little closer, dear listener. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this issue. Rob, what happened, oh my buddy? Goodness. So in this issue, a, a group of newbies led by Outback are infiltrating Cobra Island to do a recce to kind of see the lay of the land, as it were, like what is happening on Cobra Island at this point. Um, it kind of feels like they haven't been to Cobra Island in a while and they've um, detected activity on the island. So they want to kind of have an idea of like what is Cobra up to now. So they do discover that um, Cobra is setting up a casino and... Uh, they feel they need to really know what's going on inside the casino. So they infiltrate and they download a ton of information from the new brainwave scanner. And yeah, that kind of leads into the following issues that come up, at least the, the bigger story that happens. And we do learn a little bit more about two of the characters, I believe Black Hat and Molto, maybe? Uh, no, Mongoose. Mongoose. Yes. Ah. Mon- Mongoose is the, the guy with, with the fez who yes. witnessed some kind of racial slander during 9-11 and Black Hat um, experienced a kind of a, a different kind of discrimination. She was a real overachiever, um, signed up for the advanced computer class. And when she walked in, it was just filled with boys. Dirty boys. And they were like, what are you doing here, little girly? You sure you're in the right class? Love the fact that she's wearing a Spock cosplay outfit. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah, that's really good. For the second, I, I had to check like, if, the, if, the, if the, sort of the, the cuff braids were correct. But yes, Spock did have the two zigzaggy cuffs. Kirk has three, sort of a thin one in between. So yes, the colorist nailed it that is definitely spock's blue uh, unless she's a fan of Twitter. McCoy and she wanted to be a doctor but it but spock definitely fits uh more thematic oh, shit. So, yeah well the thing yeah, is yeah, yeah mccoy is more doctory you know thematically spock makes more sense because he's the science officer and she loves the science this issue full disclosure is a return to rare form for me. I love it. I love, love, love it. An infiltration mission to Cobra Island, spectacular. Uh, but that's it's just a lot where of it fun. Billy Penn, yeah, but it's does this one shot very good. He doesn't art. do any other issues. The art is incredible. This guy is amazing. He gets Uniforms, vehicles, vehicles really characters. The sort of the scratchiness of the the art style, like it's it's action packed, it's exciting, it's just so nice. He's very dynamic, and it's cool because it's it's it does move the plot forward, the overall arching plot, but it's kind of um, it's couched within these kind of like very cool military moments where it's the the, the mechanics, it's the nitty gritty of like how they're getting onto the island. Which I really enjoy the first couple of pages of this issue. Kind of like approaching the island. All those tropes that Great we know fun. and love from GI Joe, but like just dialed up to eleven, and and there's nothing that drops the ball for me. Like it's all cool. Um, mm. Yeah, man. very very good. I am going to draw attention to the B cover 
for the issue, which is also oh, by oh. Billy Penn, the interior artist. He had time to do in like famous G.I. Joe style a cross section of the pit. Oh, but like lovely. it's also a, a story within itself. It's it's r- bringing the newbies into the pit for the t- first time. Uh, I think it's Duke and Scarlet that are guiding them down the equipment lift through the pit um, and the various levels and then announcing, welcome to the pit. The pit. And we see some terrific vehicle. We've got the Warthog. We've got the Havoc. We've got the Defiant Launch Complex. <laughs> Amazing. So, so you're telling me this is the only time that Billy Penn did art for the IDW run? I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very sad about this because he's, he's really fantastic. I've had, through Talking Joe, the delight of interviewing the guy because not only did he do mm. this, but during the pandemic and lockdown, he and his kids made a stop-motion one-to-one adaptation of The Silent Issue. And it is on YouTube and it is fantastic. I'll put a link in the description, but yes, Pen Productions is the YouTube channel. And That's I mean, so, cool. it's so good, so good. Like just a mixture of techniques to bring the comic to life. And it's it's excellent. Not only did they do that, but uh, he did a kind of a, a side-by-side comparison to the panels. So you can you can either watch the video itself or the video with a side-by-side um, flip through the comic book. But yeah, man, the oh, guy's heck yeah. brilliant. Because, like, and, I don't know and, what the future is of any of the artists that worked on with Larry on the IDW comic books. Because at least looking at them, you know, he's working with soon on three hundred one. I I feel like it's new. They, you know, they've hired artists that are associated with Skybound um, mm-hmm. rather than people that have previously worked with Larry at IDW. So I do hope that some of the artists he had previously worked with do get a chance to draw more comic books, especially Billy Penn. Actually, all three of these artists I felt were, were quite strong. Um, or they had um, strengths. I think the strongest for me is Billy Penn. Um, mm. Both the artists on the next two issues are very good like, with expressions. Um, like they're, they're very expressive characters, um, which I quite enjoyed. Um, and often like the tech stuff was also pretty good as well, but... I think this is, yeah, the strongest overall. Uh, just getting back to the vehicles, they're all so perfect. I think Billy clearly has a good collection of toys. Um, either that or just a fabulous understanding of how these things are made up. And we have a, a cool, it might be a debut of this toy, but the Steel Crusher APV. Okay, maybe no, it might have found its way into previous IDW books, but like, most of the vehicles are classics like whales, mambas, mores, but then he mixes in this cool moment where, and once again, the details are so good. Like the patrols during the day are random and they're conducted by vipers on ferrets, but at night they use steel crusher APVs with like passive night infrared sensors. So yeah. good. Awesome details. But it's also the perfect infiltration vehicle because it's kind of enclosed. Like the Steel Crusher, if you're not aware, dear listener, is from Rise of Cobra, the movie. Um, it's used in that Paris pursuit scene where Snake Eyes is like underneath it and on top of it and like ridiculous action. But um, it's basically like a tricked out Cobra black Hummer with a mm. big aggressive bull bar on the front. They made a toy. It's, it's okay. You can access the front two seats. The back is kind of given over to a gimmick. 
It's got various pop-out missiles and hatches and whatnot. But here they've embellished it slightly. Billy Penn's added a top turret, put a Night Viper in there. He's got the Steel Crusher kind of driver, which looks like Motor Viper, but I think they call it Nitro Viper. Anyway, uh, and then a, a regular Viper. And these, these three three uniforms are used by the Joes as their kind of infiltration getup, which is just, it's just cool, man. It's cool right the way through. And delightfully, like, Black Hat is using the <laughs> the Viper uniform, and she's noticeably, like, diminutive. Very, uh, very nice little mm. detail there. Oh, I love it. Very cool. These three yeah. Vipers, like, it's, walking it's... through a deserted like under construction casino after dark, like all the human staff have gone home or clocked off and um, they find themselves face to face with the, the brainwave scanner and black hats like, yeah, this is the, this is exactly what I need jackpot that I can download as much Intel as, as possible from this device. Um, and there's a surprising twist. Did you see it coming that, that they'd be confronted by Mindbender and Laura 347 and the Techno Vipers, and like bluff their way out. Like I, I was like, see that "Oh shit, this is gonna be a firefight!" But no, they're they dead. managed to convince Mindbender that they're just we're just here sweeping for extra security, you know, in case there are any bugs. Oh, thank goodness. Well, he's he's just so focused on telling Laura about um, his fantastic machine. Oh wait, no, that's not this issue. That's uh, a couple of issues to come. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to see the rot set in. You were we were not a fan of how many times these scenes kind of repeated. But something Thankfully, I just noticed in no the repetition. Art, no, mm. no, of course, this is, this is the first time. So, well, the first time chronolo chronologically, but uh, it's not the first time for you, Rob. Shame you've been doing yes. these in reverse order. I've just noticed something that sells the scene even harder. Because when Mindbender and Laura arrive, you can see that Black Hat and and Multo is it Multo? No, it's um, Mongoose. Uh, Mongoose are kind of caught in the crosshairs, and there's a there's a Techno Viper almost covering them. He's got his weapon kind of raised slightly, but in mm. the background, we've got Outback wearing a Night Viper outfit, and he's covering them. So if this if this shit goes south, he's ready to spray down Laura, Doctor Mindbender, and the two Techno Vipers. He has. Fortunately, this. it doesn't come down to that. But like, it's 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 clever. It's tactical. It's like, yeah, th these guys are gonna um, distract and keep keep Mindbender occupied while I I cover him in case in case they start going for their guns. It's very oh, smart. Love this, this is... episode issue. <laughs> I think this is probably my, well, so far, I think probably one of my favorite issues from the, the latter run of G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. um, it really does no wrong. Like, it just sets up, it teases what's happening next. You kind of get some idea of, like, why are they doing a casino? Because up to this point, I was very, like, why is there a casino? But it sounds like, obviously, it's some sort of, like, huge money laundering scheme. Um, I still don't understand how they came up with the idea of the casino. Maybe that's explained in, you know, previous issues but i suppose i'll see you when i get there i'm gonna give this a 4.5 i really enjoyed it setting so, uh, a high watermark crazy. for the, the modern gi joe comic yeah love that's it absolutely insane i i'd probably say the same actually um 4.5 i mean i'm not just saying it to copy you um 
Actually, I'm, I'm going to moderate and go to a four. I think I would mm-hmm. enjoy it even more if it was more recognizable characters. Like if I knew everyone and I didn't have to like sit there and be like, who is this again? Who's this guy again? I like they're led by Outback, but I, um, yeah, I think if that, if I'd had a little bit more time with these characters, I would probably enjoy the issue even more. It's astounding how much happens in 20 pages. I mean, yeah, on the reread that's... that I did last night, I only just then caught the fact that the three Cobras that they steal uniforms from, they take them prisoner. They bring them back to the yeah. whale. Like, yeah, because, and that's because, smart like... because you don't want them blabbing to the rest of Cobra Command. Better to make them disappear than to make them say, oh, we just had a run with the Joes. Yeah. And if you shoot them the, dead, the they're wrecking. also going yeah, there's mm. a, a moral it's question smart. about shooting them dead, but also, you know, it doesn't achieve your, your goal any better than taking them captive because they're still going to yeah, be it's, missed. It's easier to get rid of living bodies and dead bodies. <laughs> really? To, to, to the taxpayer um, <laughs> to underwrite their uh, prison costs. Okay, well, that's getting us off to a bang. Um, what's Absolutely. next? Next is 288 uh, special mission introducing a brand new character to G.I. Joe by the name of Lieutenant Falcon. I think this guy's going to go places. He's a very cool character. He's got a bright future ahead of him. (laughs) What I really like about this issue, before before even anything happens, uh, we, we describe it, is that it actually somehow fits into the continuity, or at least it feels like it fits into the continuity of the cartoon. Mm. Somehow. That's okay. kind of the, what the vibes okay. that I get from it. Well, because, I mean, it's him. It's um, it's Law and Order. Is is one of the other people that he rescues at the end of the issue. And it's, who's the other guy? Is that Grand Slam? Fast Draw. Fast Draw. I always get the questions. Yeah. Okay, so, well, he's the one that doesn't quite fit Fosfor. Um, But it, it, with the, these two of them being there, they'd be, like, new recruits. And that's kind of, like, the situation going into the um, G.I. Joe, uh, you know, act, uh, cartoon movie where Falcon, as well as Law and Order, are brand new recruits. It is Law and Order, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, no, no, you're okay, right. Good. I just find crazy. a bit of connected tissue that, uh, that uh, also makes it seem like it, hooks up with the cartoon even though larry harmer um at by his own admission never watched it um the the young vincent falcone has a scene with a soldier and he's Mm. reflecting on his father dying um after exposure to agent orange all the way in vietnam that it took 20 years to kill him but eventually it got him so that leaves falcone's mom a, a widow um if she had met Duke's dad, then perhaps ah. they became married, and that's why they're brothers. This sort of stepbrother. Yeah. So Duke and it's, Falcon. I mean, it's, 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 I don't think it's on purpose in any way whatsoever, um, but it feels like it somehow connects to the cartoon in some way, um, which I found absolutely <laughs> wild. That it kind of. You're getting tricked, like, okay, bro, but I like it. I'm here for it, man. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so this is basically a origin story for Falcon and showing off um, his introduction and how he joined the GI Joe team. 
you basically uh, get sent out uh, some sort of conflict between two countries, Barovia and I think it's Fokokuku uh, land. Fokokuku land. And he has to rescue a couple of uh, US soldiers. Um, I've mentioned the witty wordplay of Fokokuku land to you before, have I, Rob? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cloud so, Cuckoo Land. Ha ha ha. Yes. <laughs> mm. So he is tasked with rescuing these soldiers before they're killed. Um, and yeah, that's the issue. Somehow he, he manages to do the impossible. Rescue soldiers from Simple. a base that is... Open and shut. That's so straightforward. And uh, once mm. again, I mean, the artist on this one is Cuba, Cuba Ball. Um, I like his kind of more rougher style. Um, but he has very expressive faces, which I really enjoyed with, with, with his work on this issue. Um, I like that you can, can really see like what the characters are thinking. Um, and yeah, it's actually really cool. And I like also he's, he differentiates you. Okay, I mean, I didn't know it was um, Fostral, but I knew it was a G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was Grand. I don't know why I always think everyone's Grand Sam, but, um, but you can differentiate between the different characters. I like the fact that you see costume elements that set him up as fast draw. Like if you know the figure, you know yeah. that he's got a very textured uh, like undershirt or armored uh, vest onto which the sort of the, the red portions mm. clip onto. Well, I mean, they don't practically do that on the figure, but you could imagine this as a costume. Like he'd have this kind of blast protective uh, smock yeah. and then everything there's, else is, is worn on top of it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but they kind of they do add a little bit of a hint later on when he is picking up the the anti aircraft weapon and he's like, yeah, I, I can shoot anything like <laughs> anything that goes boom. Uh, what is he? I know my stuff. Like we can get because uh, of course the um, climactic uh, chase with the prisoners um, they tear off through the swamp on this kind of like eight wheel vehicle. Yeah, very... ATV. Mm. And there's a, a Stinger missile launcher in the back. And Foster. Uh, yeah, he actually does name drop himself. Um, he says, I'm a qualified expert in anything that has a rocket in it. When I was assigned to the third herd, they called me Fostraw. Yeah. The origin of a code name right there. Third herd is the third armored division. That's good old Sergeant Waltz, Tom Waltz, the editor. There's some instances where I think he's asleep on the job. Like there was some acronym in one of these comic books that didn't have an editor's note. I was like, I, I really mm. would have th th knowing what the hell Larry's trying to say there. Because uh, I, mean, I wasn't going to look it up, but yeah. Yeah, I did, don't it... remember the specific one, but there was one, I think. Yeah. Mm. I was also like, I don't know what Bert means or, P... or something. Yeah, or yeah. something like that. Ugh. Fun issue once again. It's a one shot. It's it's it sets up Falcon as being a very cool character, um, and the kind of like shit that he thinks about and is able to do to get stuff done. And it also makes which flies in the face of his comic cool. book appearance, Rob. I mean, his <laughs> let me get this right. His cartoon in the face appearance. Of his cartoon appearance. Yeah, Falcon in the movie is a dipshit. This guy's the man. Yeah, which um. Yeah, which which doesn't seem right. Which means also, I mean, that's just us making, I think, the connection to the cartoon. Here he's pretty grim. 
uh, he gets the job done. Um, perhaps to its credit, uh, the cartoon I... at least made Falcon memorable. He's not just like the best of the best of the best with honors, sir. Um, he's, you know, being being a bit reckless, being mm. this kind of cocky braggart and womanizer. <laughs> yeah, that scene with Jinx in the motor pool did not age well. But maybe to its credit, the cartoon at least set him up as someone memorable with an arc. Whereas this guy, he's fully formed, man. He's forged in steel. I like it. I wonder, am I alone in the stream now? Is Rob still there? Possibly. Probably. No. Ladies and gentlemen, load shaming has taken its toll. Um, Rob is positioned very precariously at his window uh, using his data connection to maintain the podcast. But I feel like perhaps... His connection has worn out. I'm still seeing him in StreamYard, but not getting any audio. So I guess I'll close out the show. I'm going to rate this this issue. Give it, uh, let's do three and a half. Didn't love it as much as the previous, but it's still a very serviceable issue. Um, perhaps a bit too simple a story to uh, to need to pick up again. Certainly, if I wanted to um, read more Falcon material, get some flesh to the bones, this is absolutely now uh, recommended reading. It's essential reading. Um, but not a tale that that I feel does anything particularly new. Oh, I think Rob's back. Hey, Hello, Rob. there I am. Wow. Hello there. I thought I was going to have to do it solo for the, the last last issue. No way. Shall we speak to this Never last issue? I gave alone. this one 3.5, by the way. 3.5, I think that's fair. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a fun issue overall. It's a bottle issue again. Um, and it's called the kind of like fill in, I suppose, a gap in the history of Falcon. Um, he's definitely a badass. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it a 3.5 as well. Actually, I'm, I'm definitely, that's what I'm giving it. <laughs> nice. It does dovetail with issue 60 which is the Todd McFarlane penciled issue, which debuted these guys in the Marvel comic. So that's their very next assignment. They join up with Chuckles on his mission uh, to safeguard these like warheads that are stationed, like positioned in this like shell town, this facade beachfront property. Um, and they're oh told that, they're, that they are G.I. Joe's. But uh, turns out the ah. Hawk had no idea who these guys were. What that even makes more of a cartoon connection. Chuckles was also a new guy in the cartoon, in the movie. Mm-hmm. The raw hides. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Let's do issue 289. 289. <laughs> With art by Casey Maloney. Um, very competent artist as well. Um, I enjoyed their work on the, the issue overall. Also very good with with, with uh, expressions, um, facial expressions. I always enjoy artists that are able to express well. Um, and once again, a very straightforward story. Um, it's it's uh, Dawn, Moreno, and Helix are going to investigate revenge to kind of like see what's going on there. Why is Cobra approaching 
revenge. Like, well, what do they need them for? And they're in the town, basically, and having to deal with the, the locals. Law enforcement et al. Of course, this is the debut of the, like, fembot revenge battle android troopers. They're all the yes, sort of... Yes, featured uh... heavily in the later story. <laughs> they're made out to be extremely potent combatants in this issue mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. become the disposable bad guys of of tomorrow but i'm gonna hang a lantern quickly on the the cobra aspid which has become the official name at least in the comic books um and i'm just wanting to remind everyone that this name that has become canonized is actually a fan name uh mm. simply because uh, i mean this amazing custom that is featured on HisTank.com, which debuted in nineteen uh, in two thousand and nine, which even had dedicated box art for it. This is the Cobra Aspid that I think has been, found its way into the reference material um, that IDW then give out to artists. So when Larry yeah. mentions the Cobra Transport Chopper, I don't even know if he says Aspid in his scripts, but basically this is what they are given to draw. Um, and yeah. it makes me laugh every time I see it because unlike the classic Cobra Chopper from uh, Michael Golden's yearbook that Rod Wiggum then adopted in his art, the Aspid is based on the Chapmay, like, kind of Sikorsky sky crane, but chibified. It's got a very chibi yeah. propeller. Its proportions are very foreshortened and, and stubby. It's not aesthetically as pleasing as the classic Cobra Chopper, even though it does a good job of approximating the, like, the furniture of it. Um, I don't like it, man. It's hilarious. This is, this is a Chapmay chibi helicopter. And now it's the, the helicopter. <laughs> Forever. I don't know. Hey, Hopefully like that, that reference material has been lost. Um, with the, the, the well, I think they've they've taken liberties out. with it in the comic books. Um, yes, in in Billy Penn's issue, he pencils it and and extends <laughs> the proportions He's to, have to make start it more all over like again. The, He's gonna have to get more like the Sikorsky sky crane. But uh, yeah, in this mm. issue, we see it in its stunted proportions. Not a fan. <laughs> I'm going to keep reminding people um, that this is not the classic Cobra helicopter. Well, still, kudos to the guy who invented that. Um, mm. He must be feeling very chuffed. That it uh, is, broker it is something. I need to find find his name. I was on the page yesterday, and I and I flipped off it foolishly. How, but yes, how I'll dare. get that name while you talk about this issue, Rob. Well, I think. It's, it's a fairly straightforward issue. Um, it's probably my... Well, I'm going to have to say it's my least favorite of these. Um, you don't get much... I mean, they say it like features the characters, but they don't. you don't get much that they do in the issue that kind of like warrants them necessarily having to be the featured characters in the issue. What happens is very straightforward. They essentially um, watch what, um, you know, Dr. Mindbender is coming up for, which is to, just to get this new generation of revenge bats. Um, designed to be covert and to be used as the face of the Cobra 
um, casino empire. Um, it's very, very straightforward. It's very like by the numbers, but not in like a fun um, G.I. Joe, uh, like military by the numbers. It's more like we have to show, you know, like where these things come from and this is how we're going to do it. Um, probably the most fun. <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing as Stephen is uh, showing the, 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 the pages from the comic book. We get a very cool picture of uh, Dawn kind of like <laughs> racing away with the car and kind of like a cool like uh, horse uh, rearing back <laughs> position. <laughs> Popping a wheel. Yeah, that is silver. a bit extreme. I've, I've seen monster trucks do that move, basically like tail slap. <laughs> it, it and like also like the subplot with the police officer is kind of slightly unbelievable because like he he's chasing them, he's he's um kind of like trying to get them to do what he wants them to do, but he never calls it. He calls it in, but nothing really comes from that. Um, I suppose everything that happens happens too quickly for him to ever get back up because they literally do fire what, from his perspective, does look like a missile within mm -hmm. a a um, built up uh, civilian area. And the fact that they that, that they are dressed the way they are dressed, um, which is they you know the very unique costumes, and one of them is wearing a visor, they don't look as military as believably military. I think. So his response, mm. I think, would have been even more extreme if it were to actually be believable. Um, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's a by-the-numbers issue. It's basically setting up um, you know, where my Mender gets these, these robots from. It's kind of like a very much a filler issue. Sadly, the stink of revenge, and you will, you will come to know it, my <laughs> friend. Every time this third faction is introduced... I just kind of lose interest very quickly. And I know I'm not the only one. And in a sense, Larry was prescient because now nowadays AI is like the big bad. But revenge mm. isn't presented to us like that. Um, they kind of, I mean, they, they're, they're powerful, but they're also idiots. And the characters in the universe realize that themselves. Because like mm -hmm. um, Dawn and Helix are infiltrating this thing and they're like, they're very surprised that there's no like cameras and other things up on top of the dome or this thing. And I think Helix or Dawn is like, oh yeah, no, but yeah, they don't think like people. So they wouldn't think to put stuff like that up here. She's like, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, now, do you think revenge uh, is built to be inept then? Because they're always going on about how they're the biggest, baddest, and like this is the most sophisticated and most unbeatable version. And then the Joes kind of very handily, you know, flesh and blood and a lot of training are able to dispose of these, these high-tech assailants. Like it makes me think maybe there's an in-joke that's being played here somewhere. The Blue Ninjas aren't sure. all that. Yeah. They're, they're definitely it, it does feel like that i mean the characters themselves are kind of like they take them seriously but there are aspects of them that they recognize that are limits that they cannot you know for themselves realize what's going on um they're always scheming like but it weird... always goes nowhere <laughs> i don't yeah. know yeah until until they're you know, used to do something really clever i'm never going to be on board they're just they're all they're all just hot air man yeah. And I mean, there's some sort of interesting, well, interesting, and it wasn't interesting to me, but there's like, <laughs> there's a subplot that's set up where the training for the robots, the Kung Fu training somehow relates to Helix's mother. Um, 
and what I know of the you know the following issues that hasn't been answered yet. So he's kind of like set it up, but in a very uninteresting way. Um, so I'm not sure why that was introduced. Uh, I'm going to venture a guess that Helix's mom somehow became a blue ninja. Um, because uh, they, they are cyborgs. They're, they're kind of, they strip away their human parts. So at least that's the, the inception idea of the mm. blue ninjas, that they, they were all human once and have, what is it, ship of Theseus, <laughs> basically made transfers into being fully you know, robotic, just stripped away all their meat piece by piece. Mm. Uh, either way, I don't know. I, I can't really pass much on this because um, um it, it, it bores me. And <laughs> the kind of the con combat, the signature move that um, tips Helix <laughs> off that, that, that her mother's ninja training uh, has somehow gone into this new fembat is this awkward like split leg maneuver to take out yeah. opponents on both sides and then the knife <sighs> hand to take out the third and then the, the sweeping wow. beheading kick to take out the fourth like oh gosh okay. <laughs> if you say so. it's an interesting look i don't know if i enjoy the the art chops very martial arts yeah, I anyway. think it's it's kind of like a nothing issue. Um, and if I think we can definitely move on. <laughs> yeah, two and a half for me. Uh, instantly forgettable. Uh, Maybe even a two. I know I'm being unkind I'm, 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 to Ball, whose art is is good. It's like no, this isn't Ball. This is Casey Maloney. Ball. Ah, apologies, Casey. I mean, there's some panels which look rushed. I'm looking at them right now. Like the, mm. the geometry of the vamp is is very simplified, um, incorrect. Yeah, and there's that the, the one panel where they did the, the kind of wheelie as well. I think it feels like a rushed <laughs> issue. Um, Which is entirely possible. Technically good. This was during COVID. Yeah. Um, so kudos to them for, for doing their best. Um, but yeah, it is kind of like a nothing issue overall. I mean, there's like cool posing sometimes, um, and it's cool to see like just a, you know, like a girl power issue. Um, but it's boring, you know. It's it's kind of like a Larry had to write it to kind of like build his bigger story, as it were. Um, so that's kind of like what happened there. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you you didn't want to give it, you know, two. I'm definitely going to give it to you. <laughs> No, I think I'll, I think we've 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 echoed each other completely on this episode because yeah, it's a two for me as well. I'll probably never read this issue again. Yeah, same. Because what they set up here is is basically explained again later on, so you you never have to read this issue again. There's no like um oh I need to go back to it because I see alpha one zero zero alpha <laughs> I'm alpha. Oh, and amazing. spoiler alert rob uh but i mean this reveal at the end has happened about three times to this <laughs> point like there's always a bigger badder bn00 insert number here as in blue ninja kind of <sighs> leader and it's just huh? how, how can we be going back to this well so soon Maybe it's a problem that, that we've kind of read these issues almost binge style. Because if it was coming out month to month, but 
I think about Larry and I think about a guy who's able to play the long game, mm. like a character that appears in or a concept that appears in issue number two, then reappears in the 70s of the run, like years down the line. I'm talking about the, the paranoia waves and the terror drums. Um, mm. And then he, he revisits that then decades later in IDW. So it feels like these concepts are being returned to a lot quicker. Like the turnaround time is a lot tighter and it's like, it's not clever that way. Like we enjoy these callbacks to material from decades ago, not something that I read six months ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know that makes sense. Mm. Um, you want it to be rewarding for the long-term fans, essentially. People who've actually, you know, spent the time to read the entire series rather than just like someone who just read the last, you know, two issues. And it's like, oh, there's that thing I just saw two months ago. Y yes, you did. You saw that. You're not really that excited about it, are you? No, no, I'm not. I hope the series ends soon. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Well, that wraps up our comic book recap. We're going to be doing cartoons next week. So stay tuned. Oh, not next yeah. week. Next week. Okay. Next, Let's next back this week. up. In two weeks' time, we'll be doing cartoons. <laughs> but next week, we will be de debuting our Cobra Convergence 7 contribution, Whoa. which Paul is feverishly working on as we speak, of course. Uh, it will be a play motion adventure in the style of uh, previous entries in the Cobra Convergence. Um, it will be the international backyard where we feature oh play motion creators, friends of ours, fans of ours, uh, like YouTube channel owner acquaintances of ours, um, anyone who uh, has come onto our radar and wants to play with their toys in front of their cameras, that's um, fair game, man. And Paul's whipped up a very interesting plot line. I'm not going to give away the details here, but uh, stay tuned because uh, this time next week it will be live. And I think we are sh scheduled to go live with the commander. HCC 788 uh, on the same day Ooh. as the release. Mm, I need to confirm well, with Brian, yeah. but um, I, <laughs> I think I actually, I mistook what he was trying to do because now that I am seeing the other creator interviews that he's doing with other channels, I realized they were supposed to be pre-records. I assumed it was going to be a live stream. So oh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully so we can get Brian on. Anytime. Mm. Now and forever. But yes. We will be making the details public on our various socials, so check that out. Do it. New shit time. I oh my god got a cool t-shirt. No, you didn't. Ah, oh, dude, banging, banging. Friend of the show. What is that Gary shirt? Pleasure concierge. It's the Chaplin Assistance Motorpod uh, official merch. Uh, he oh unveiled it at Showfest 2023, and it is very cool design. It's fixing the fight for freedom wherever there's trouble because Gary is is a gearhead, and he. Um, if you think that we really geek out with the suspension of disbelief, well, imagine our level of suspension of disbelief if we actually had any actual mechanical knowledge to bring to the table. <laughs> well, Gary does. So when he talks about G.I. Joe concepts and vehicles, he really gets into the nuts and bolts and makes these things 
feel like like what if this was taken into the real world so yeah let's put that shirt one more time with some better lighting thank you gary v loving the shirt it's a, a great fit and um was lovingly muled to me by zazel who was at joe fest hey. uh, zazel of sergeant slaughter's slaughterhouse fame um yeah thank you zaz um it was a lovely little little drink session we had got all the skinny on joe fest all the the skinner as you might say in afrikaans Ooh, what went skinner down. yellow okay and you both and got then... to see experiences of going to the states you know i think that's fantastic yeah, well, I think I let him do the talking mainly because I wanted yeah. to hear what went down, man. What what went down that no one's talking about on record? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, good times. Um, but yeah, no, look, I'm 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 being a shameless um, gossip. Uh, the truth is, nothing bad went down. It was all all good. It was a good vibes event. Um, of so, course. Yeah. 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 Good man. And good man. any uh, new shit you want to talk about? I suppose we spoke about the movies. Plenty. Talked about the movies. Nothing yet. I was meeting sex this week. I didn't. Um, I didn't get a chance. I need to actually give a full my address. But I'm hoping, uh, definitely before the next episode, uh, I will have new stuff to talk about. So I'm very excited to see all the the brand new stuff that has been coming to Paul uh, on my behalf over the last couple <laughs> of months. Toys, 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 toys. We would like to shout out our Patreon members, the Berg Force. Wonderful group of people that somehow feel it in them to to throw money at us month to month. Thank you very much. Every little bit helps. It keeps our StreamYard membership up to date, our Podbean membership up to date. Helps Paul get some new toys into the Berg quarters and uh, just basically greases the wheels. And, and this thing that we love doing just for the love, um, it also helps uh, our pockets from not hurting in the process of doing it. What am I saying? Basically, thank you. I don't know. If thank you'd you like to join much, the Berg Force and have early access to these episodes, www.patreon.com slash G.I. Joburg. There are also neat little extras that Paul throws up from time to time, like music like uh, discounts to our teespring store Whoa. we can get pretty cool merch oh yeah oh yeah jason Hell Merle yeah. says that his son still wears uh, paul's version 2 eels shirt and where else Aww. are you gonna get a robot shark gi joe on a t-shirt come on check of out course, our teespring you won't be disappointed eels version 2 inspired shirt that one yeah very cool. Um, Paul, no doubt, misses us a lot and we miss him, but uh, we wish him well. Hope he gets better soon. And that's the whole show. That's us. Uh, we, we, we cracked ahead. We, 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 we hit some really cool comic books. Well, Stephen, I was very surprised. I mean, I was surprised by myself, actually, that some modern, mm. modern late era IDW comics were actually good. Um, Incredible. You know, not to be a downer on like the later issues, but it, it did, has felt kind of like a chore. And it was nice to kind of find some of the diamonds of the rough as were. Oh They're yeah, still there. the Billy issue there. I will read any day. That's so cool, man. It's gonna happen. It's definitely gonna happen. And yeah, it makes me feel more excited for like what's coming next. I think 
um, under a new editor, a new publisher, I think, yeah, the future is still bright for G.I. Joe in comics, so, yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Timing. Hey.